You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Gino looks, going to lay it up over the top. Got a man out there. It is locking. He has got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop. Going to look. Gets hit. Goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. Hello, 12s. It's uh, it's good to be talking to you again. It is a little bit weird to talk to you this much during the offseason because it hasn't really been an offseason yet. I know John Boyle has been furiously writing articles for Seahawks.com. It, it, it feels like the season actually hasn't ended, but it did. Yeah. Because I was watching football on the couch. It's a very different offseason than past years for us because changing head coaches is a big deal and it leads to a a lot of stuff we haven't dealt with in the last well, decade and a half. I, yeah, there's a lot of change. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of conversation. There's a lot coming up for the organization. And look, every week we try to add context, perspective, and insight on what's happening with the team, whether we're talking about an upcoming game or a matchup or some stats that we saw. Because, John, you and I have worked around this team in various ways for decades now, right? Mm-hmm. We've been employed by the team, but we have also worked with the team as – employees of other departments. So we've engaged with these folks for a number of years. And I think today it's helpful after hearing from John Schneider, I think it's helpful to pull back the curtain a little bit and maybe share some of the personality because you and I get a chance to talk to him or bump into him on a regular basis. And I think, um, I, I think we've got some different stories about him. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm excited to see him step into the limelight a little bit more because as you said, we've gotten to see that personality Really fun guy, great sense of humor. And, you know, Pete Carroll is such a massive personality, such a, you know, well known figure in football that he was always sort of the dominant figure in that partnership. Um, but yeah, it'll, it's it's a good opportunity for John to kind of step in the light and, and show off who he is. I think we're going to share a couple of personal insights. I'm just going to start with this. I think one of the most telling things about John Schneider is the way that we travel and how he greets people getting off the bus. So when we travel, anytime you're going to or from an airport, we are all on these big charter buses. There are assigned seats at the front. The rest of us sit at the back. John Schneider is always sitting in the very front row. He is always one of the last guys off the bus. He is also always the person to say, Hey, buddy, how's it going? Yep, with a fist bump. Fist bump for everybody getting off the bus. Single person who leaves the bus. Every single time. It does not matter if we have won, if we have lost, if it is raining, if it is sunny. His disposition, it's exactly, I don't want to say it's Pete, but but this culture doesn't exist without both of them. And John is that positive, optimistic, encouraging person. I'm sure he wouldn't mind us sharing this. One thing he's done in the past, speaking of the bus, that cracks me up is he'll sometimes commandeer the bus driver's uh, walkie-talkie, whatever you want, the the radio on the bus and he'll, you know, when we're in California and being escorted by the highway patrol, he'll play the chi- the yeah. theme song from Chips, <laughs> which, you know, one. anybody under like 40 on the bus doesn't get, but right. I think it's hilarious. Or I, one year I remember we were in Kansas City, which he's worked there in the past and right. he was giving like it was a, like tour guy. Yeah, a tour. Yes, like over he here you'll see that. And he threw in some personal things about, you know, I think it was like his brother-in-law's bachelor party or something, but, you know, just some funny quips. The guy's, uh, he's, he's a hoot to be around. And again, I, I think he's, Again, the organization is going to be really good hands with him 
taken over this role. Yeah, he has got some great one-liners. In fact, at his press conference with the media, right out of the gates, he said, well, I, wh- where's the crowd? Yeah. Like, wh- how come they're, How come I don't have the same crowd as Pete Carroll? I mean, just right out of the gates, that's who he is as a person. But look, if we're going to talk about football, let's talk about how he evaluated last season because he knows what those numbers and what that overall record said. However you look at this, uh, we are all here today uh, because we underachieved in 2023. Uh, we all did. Now we're in a situation where, you know, we all need to get better. We understand that uh, the 12s, the fans, uh, the community, uh, Jody, everybody in this building uh, deserves better. We had high expectations for uh, 2023. You know, we overachieved in 2022, and uh, quite frankly, we, we underachieved in uh, 2023. I think everybody recognizes that. But again, it's a time for all of us to look in the mirror uh, in this organization, myself included, obviously, and uh, improve, learn, and uh, move forward. I, I did find that point he made about 2022 and 2023 pretty interesting because you, know, you go back to the start of the 2022 season, outside of this building, the expectations were not high for that team. You, know, you had Geno Smith was an unknown at that point. Um, a lot of people thought this was a rebuilding team that was going to win four or five games, and then they went out and won nine games into the playoffs. And with that came heightened expectations. And look, this wasn't just like outside unrealistic expectations. The the coaching staff, the players were telling us that too that they expected big things last year in twenty twenty three, I should say. And they start off six and three, and then unfortunately things went south a little bit. And as John Shire said, ultimately it wasn't enough. Well, and you look at that 2022 team. First of all, those are two huge draft classes in terms of both numbers of picks and the contributions that they have made. You look at the number of first and second year players that were starting in 2023 for the Seahawks team. It made them one of the youngest teams in the NFL. And there was a lot of I don't know that John would say it like this. But there were a lot of expectations on that 2022 draft, just knowing the number of picks you had to choose from. And I think you look across the board at all the contributors and whether they felt pressure or they saw it as an opportunity, they did find some key pieces that can help the franchise for a long time. Absolutely. I mean, that's as much as we're disappointed about the way this season went, you can very easily paint a very bright future for this organization. And John Schneider touched on that, like why this this is an attractive job. You have... You know, I think it was they started the year with 20, maybe more than 20 first and second year guys, and then more contributors year went on. Tons of starters, some Pro Bowl players. So it's, you've got a lot to build with here. You know, and it was funny because you talk about being in a new position. John and his staff were in a new position two years ago. Yeah. You hadn't had that many picks. You hadn't had that, that, that high yeah. of a pick. You know, this last year, you have two first round picks. It's a new experience. So for all of the talk about, man, this is new, this is new, this is new, guess what? They've had new experiences, significantly new experiences, Mm -hmm. in each of the last two and a half seasons. So change is not something that they are afraid of or unaccustomed to. Also, the longevity that he had with Pete Carroll, it truly is amazing. And if you go back to what Pete said of, look, just thought I'd take a run at this and see, Mm -hmm. you know, three or four years, 14 years later, Not only was Pete still here, but you had this incredible relationship between head coach and GM and certainly a lot of lessons taken from John Schneider. Again, just very, very blessed uh, to have worked with Pete and all the positive lessons and the leadership, uh, the leadership lessons and thoughts and 
philosophies and I can't even begin to explain to you, uh, you know, pretty emotional press conference the other day. And when I say your emotions are all over the place, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's moving on from a very, very historic uh, partnership and amazing, amazing uh, level of success and achievement that Pete and uh, myself are extremely proud of. I look forward to being able to call up Pete and text him. He's, already, he's texting me like crazy all the time, like, hey, Johnny, what's you know, is going on with this and that? And, so it's uh yeah it's been a great it's been a great experience uh obviously you hear the emotion there from John I mean this is these guys were as close about as any two people in a professional relationship can be for more than a decade um you know they used to tell stories about the first couple months just getting together and working you know just the two of them spend all his time in the office. The thing I come back to, too, is I, it reminds me back in 2009 when the team moved on from Tim Ruskell, their GM at the time. Uh, Jim Moore was still the coach then. And Todd Lewicki, who's the president of the team, he brought up this idea of the the two guys need to be on the same page. And I think that was really important when they then hired Pete and John of, look, Mike Holmgren and Ruskell did some awesome things together. They're a reason this team went to the Super Bowl in 2005. So I'm not trying to, like, disparage anything that happened back then. But the long-term lesson there was like, they were never quite on the same page. Let's get two guys in here at the same time, make sure they work well together. And man, did they just nail that where we had more than a decade of this, you know, they talked about it. Both those guys talked about like a marriage and this friendship they had where we, I mean, both John and Pete got really emotional talking about each other in their past two press conferences. And it's going to be kind of really interesting to see what both of them do moving forward without each other for the first time. I mean, they both have very, you know, long histories in the NFL and in football before getting together. But, man, they both did some awesome work together. And it was so unconventional the way that they yeah. hired both Pete and John. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's what you can talk about all of the crazy things that Pete Carroll did that now became the norm in the NFL. But did, the way that that hiring came about and, and kind of almost the reverse order of things. Yeah. I don't know that anybody in the NFL immediately looked at that arrangement and said, yeah, that'll be perfect yeah. for 14 years. Yeah, that's going to work. Yeah. I mean, they had no history together. It wasn't like, oh, this is one of Pete's old guys. And, um, you know, it was a situation where we I've heard John Schneider for more than a decade now. He he loves to talk about no egos. We don't have egos in this building and, you know, nose closed, no closed doors, things like that. And for him to come in that situation, it had to be one of those egoless type situations of like, I'm not coming in. And he was in the process before Pete because, again, they let Ruskell go during the 09 season. They knew they needed a GM since I think it was October of 09. So he was already involved in the process. And he's thinking, hey, if I get this job, I get to hire a head coach. And then things flipped on him a little bit. Yeah, we're going to hear from John Schneider on that in just a second. There's a couple of points that I want to bring up. Number one, I think one of the big um, talking points is what do you look for in the next head coach? As you pointed out, Pete Carroll, such a dominating figure, such a unique figure in the way that he approached coaching and culture and everybody in the building. And John Schneider was very clear on what gets prioritized. That's it. Our our culture. And then how are we evolving? Who's going to help us move to the next level, right? How are we going to, you know, compete with everybody that we need to compete with? and advance this this organization moving forward. And that's a, I think we're going to learn so much of this process about the ideas. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud of all the connections we have around the National Football League, and we've learned a lot already. And so to be able to understand what that looks like 
you know, different opinions, different philosophies, open the door to, to different ideas, whether it's a defensive head coach or a offensive head coach or a special teams guy that is becoming a head coach. I think that's all just really, really important. Yeah, and I like that he touched on kind of it, it. That sort of felt like a the non-football side of it and the football side of it all in one answer. And earlier in his press conference, he talked about, he said, we have a clear director from Jody Allen moving forward as we embark on a new coaching search. And they said, we want to keep our positive culture. And that's been a big part of this team's success. It's a big part of why people want to work here. Players want to come here. It's just an awesome place to be. And that, you know, I think you can, you can trace that back all the way to Paul Allen buying the team in 1997. It really started with Paul and then Pete and John both kind of took it to another level together. And that's not to say you need to hire a Pete Carroll clone, but they're going to bring somebody in who fits with this culture that those two have really facilitated over the last decade plus. And then you get to the football side and talks about how are we evolving? He used the word stagnant a little bit earlier about like, you can't, you know, this league is constantly evolving and that doesn't mean you're going to hire a 35-year-old coordinator necessarily, but you want someone to bring in some fresh ideas to say, okay, this is a good team in 2023. They won nine games. They beat some playoff teams. How do we get from that to a, you know, competing for the NFC West, competing for championships, all that? There's a few things on that interview process, and I like the fact that John said there's no such thing as too many interviews, yeah. right? Because there's a couple of things. First and foremost, you are trying to find your next head coach, Mm -hmm. right? This is something that he has thought about at the end of every season for the last few years. This is not a surprise that he would need to think about this now. It's part of the exercise that you do as a GM to be in the conversation, to have a strategy in place, to have a list. They said they're going to treat it like free agency, Mm -hmm. right? Their board is up. They want to have conversations because it After you find your head coach or while you're finding your head coach, you also just want to hear what's going on in the league. Like this is an information gathering process as for everything, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's offense, defense, just types of leaders, who's out there, how people are approaching things. You're taking notes all the time. And John loves to take notes. And this is a conversation he and I have had multiple times. He keeps journals on everything. Mm -hmm. He keeps journals particularly around the NFL draft. He keeps journals on each season and part of it so he can go back and reflect with a little bit of objectivity and understand what emotion that he felt. You know, how did he feel about his decision making process? What did he like? What was the result? They're not going into this willy nilly going, okay, let's see what you got here. You know what I mean? He is very thoughtful in how he approaches all of this. So it's it's information gathering for yeah, him. Yeah, for sure. And that's a that's an interesting way to put it because, you know, as you said, he said we're going to treat this like free agency. And the, the phrase P, that he – I'm sorry. The phrase that John has always used is, you know, leave no stone unturned. They, You know, they're not going to sign everybody. They're not going to make every trade. But he wants to feel like they're in on everything because you just never know. And that's how he's going to treat this coaching search as well. And on the informa- information gathering side of it, it kind of reminds me of – I've heard Pete and John talk about this when it comes like the combine and player stuff. It's like – you're not going to draft every guy you talk to, but you might learn something about an opponent. You know, th- there might be some quarterback you're going to see two, three years down the road, and you might have learned a little something about his makeup, or maybe it's, you know, it helps you down the road of, hey, this guy's a free agent four years. And just, you never know, like, when that information is going to come in handy. But having those notebooks, John, has building that information on people, even if that's not the guy you hire in the next couple of weeks, it could help you out somewhere down the road. You know, the name that just came to mind, not What's coaching that? name, Leonard Williams. 
Yeah. Do you know how long they've been looking at Leonard Williams yeah. and hoping to get a chance to get him mm-hmm. on the team? And by the time he was a Seahawk this year, it's not like that came out of the blue or that he even started in 2023. That goes back to that draft process in the information and not leaving any stone unturned. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're compiling information all the time. And if you want to know what excites John Schneider most about this process, well, certainly it's the fact that he gets a chance to do it for the first time. But there is a chance to reset a few things. I think the learning, evolving, looking forward, where's the game going? You know, uh, 14 years is a long time for one coach to be in, in, in a spot, right? And, and uh, it's been incredible. God rest his soul, uh, Marty Schottenheimer would always tell me, you know, one coach can't stay in one spot for more than 10 years. Uh, he retired when I was with him in, in Kansas City for a year. And uh, it's just that opportunity to learn from all these people that are doing incredible things, you know, in college football and around the, na- and around the National Football League. And you cannot, if you're stagnant, in this league, you're you're behind. So I think that's the probably the most intriguing thing is to learn and and be open-minded. Yeah, we heard the word stagnant in there. I do want to jump in and say he kind of corrected himself and he said, "Look, what, what we're really doing is moving forward." Yeah, right. And that that was a word choice. He goes, ah, "Actually, yeah. what I mean is moving he did, forward." Yeah, he didn't want that to come across saying, "No, Pete got stagnant, and that's why he's not here anymore." I think his comment at Marty Schottenheimer was more to say like. What Pete did is so rare yes. and impressive. Of he, you know, most coaches can't make a decade. He made it 14 years and went out with a winning season. You know what else I love about John's comments in that press conference was truly showing not just his longevity in the game, but the people that he has yeah, worked he's, with. He's got and some good for. connections. He has been with the Seahawks for 14 years, but he's also worked for the Packers, for the Chiefs, for Washington. He was with the Seahawks in 2000. He's been a scout the director of pro personnel, the director of player personnel, the director of player operations. He's got a wide breadth of experience. And you hear him talk about Schottenheimer and, and there was Holmgren and there's McCarthy and there's, I mean, it's it's yeah. across the board, his connections. And how about Ron Wolf kicking him out the door in uh, Green Bay? Yeah, it's like, look, you got to go, go out go and do spread some your wings of this. a little bit. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, By no. the way, thank you to the Packers. Yeah. For forcing him to spread his wings yeah. and bringing and him not to Seattle him eventually. Yeah, yes. No, yeah. His experience and the just the connections he has, some like big names in coaching, GMs, like he knows. And, and it's funny when I've heard people try to connect the dots of like, oh, he's got a good relationship with this guy. So maybe he's a, a you know, candidate for the coach job, which I'm not saying these names are aren't. But like if this if the cat if. If the criteria is John Schneider has a good relationship with him, that's like two thirds of the NFL because <laughs> he's really well connected and he's impossible not to like. Right. So odds are, if you've crossed paths with him, you have a decent relationship with John Schneider. So again, if that's a criteria for the next head coach, whew, that's a long list. Also, if you like the movie Step Brothers or yeah. Wedding Crashers or just about anything with Will Ferrell, yeah. you probably have a good relationship. I, with I would Josh like Schneider. someone to come in their interview and just only answer questions with quotes, quotes? from oh, those comedies. Oh my gosh. I think you might get the job. On PowerPoints, and yes. please share that with the rest of us because I get lost. He'll start this movie quote thing, and I'm like, I, I, I can't. I like, I can take a pretty good <laughs> guess between the top five movies, but guys, 
I'm out on this one. I'm going to have to go watch this or about maybe, 45 Maybe someone times. needs to come in with a friend and both wear tuxedos and reenact that scene oh from my gosh. Uh, Step Brothers for the job. I interview. love where we're going with this. I really hope that you we that, find... coaching candidates? That's right. I get really a tuxedo hope. and bring a friend. What <laughs> could go wrong? I hope, I hope that we hear stories about that. You talk about um, the fact that it's been 14 years since he put together his original book of coaching candidates. You had a great question when you asked... What's changed in the last 14 years? I'm going to be honest. I did not anticipate this would be part of his answer. It's a great question, John. We, uh, in going, going through the questionnaire and looking over all the questions, I didn't have uh, sports science in there. I didn't have a heavy load of analytics in there. So I think that's probably the two things that are uh, that stand out the most, how that's evolved, uh, return to play, you know, knowing when to take players off off the field and balancing that with the coaching staff uh, for practice. What does that look like to people? I think that's probably the, the, you know, but when you get into, you know, the leadership, strategic, you know, advancements, all that kind of stuff, that's that's all pretty much stayed the same. I mean, um, not the strategic part, obviously, with the analytics, but um, those two things stand out, sports science and, and analytics. You know, it's funny because I, I didn't really ask that question expecting that type of answer either. I was more thinking, like, what is your experience in 14 years of a GM working with Pete, whatever, changed maybe what you're looking for in a coach? But right. I, I I enjoyed the road that went down because it's something that I hadn't really given a lot of thought to. But that is where the game has really changed is, you know, the analytics. But also, like, we forget how much the game has changed for player safety-wise in yep. a good way in, you know, in the time since those two got here. You know, you go back to, I mean, I can picture – hits Cam Chancellor had that we all celebrated yeah. that knocked dudes unconscious and knocked Cam Chancellor unconscious at least once. So um, thankfully we're working on getting that out of the game. It's never perfect because it's just such a violent sport. But um, that side of it's really interesting of like, okay, you know, what's what's changed in just how we treat players? I expected him to go down the road of, well, offense or defense. It's a lot harder yeah. to play defense, right? Like you want a quarterback driven league. Like there's, I expected him to start talking more about the X's and O's than that. But, you know, I would also say that is one of the places where if, if you talk about sports science and analytics, Seattle's been on the forefront of both of those things, right? Mm-hmm. So that's nothing new. And, and they've been great at embracing change. But when it comes to the X's and O's, everybody's trying to figure it out. Like, is he going to go offense? Is he going to go defense? Special teams. I just don't know that many special teams coordinators out yeah. there enough, so I'm going to include that, right? Coordinators, guys with that experience. Um, I am not going to pretend to read between the lines of anything that John said. But we do have his general thoughts on which phase of the game makes a better head coach or the head coach that he might be looking for. I think you, you definitely have to look at the history. You have to look at, you know, the different experiences that those individuals have had. You know, we've done a ton of study on that already. You know, we've been looking at it for years. Uh, you know, special teams coaches, especially our, you know, when you look at Coach Harbaugh, um, I apologize for some of the other coaches that I'm missing there, but he obviously he stands out with all the success they've had in Baltimore. And, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're the special teams coach, you have a really good feel for and you're in the midst of, who's going to be inactive, active all throughout the week and the planning on both sides of the ball with, you know, uh, the offensive staff and the defensive staff and what, what um, both groups are looking for. And so uh, it's, it's, there's a balance, too, of, you know, okay, if you hire a defensive coach you're going to, and he hires a really good offensive coordinator and then that, that offensive coordinator is going to leave the next year, then what kind of consistency are you going to have with the quarterback if you go back and look at, you know, the San Francisco 49ers when we hired – Coach McCarthy in Green Bay, they had just drafted Alex Smith. 
And so they had like three different offensive coordinators. So that got things, you know, a little bit wonky for his career early in the, in the mix. So you have to look at those things. And if you hire a great offensive coordinator or a guy that's going to be a good play caller, you know, where's the strength as the defensive uh, coordinator and, you know, uh, what kind of consistency and, and uh, philosophy strategy is that guy going to have? And, and uh, how long is he going to be able to stick around too? So staff development and, uh, Procurement, I think that's extremely important, regardless if it's a offensive guy, defensive guy, or special teams guy. Yeah, the last part of that about staff procurement and development, I think we we both kind of perked up when we heard that because that's only what it comes down to is if you hopefully get this hire right and have a lot of success, whichever side of the ball it is, you're going to have people are going to come for your coaches. You know, whether it's you know we see it every year, some of the top defensive guys and offensive guys are the main can you know coordinators are the main candidates for jobs. So. Um, you know, I do. I do think there's a case to be made when you look at the offensive side of kind of that continuity with the offense and the play calling and the quarterback. And you know, he mentioned Alex Smith in San Francisco. You know, we saw it with you know Dan Quinn and the Falcons, and they lose Shanahan, and obviously he's done great things with the 49ers. But same thing can happen. You know, we've seen teams lose defensive coordinators and struggle on that side of the ball. So more than anything, it's you know, goal number one is get the right head coach, but goal number two is have it be a guy that will, regardless of if they lose guys, be able to continue to find the right coaches and or develop them. That is always a key thing. And what I hear, too, is it doesn't really matter what your philosophy is. You have to be able to marry offense and defense. Yeah. It doesn't. I don't care if you want to three, uh, run a 3-4 or 4-3. I don't care if you want to ground and pound in the run game, if you want to open. I, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But offense and defense has to be married together. Mm-hmm. I will point out, because I heard it pointed out elsewhere, the two teams that got buys this week and mm-hmm. won their divisions, both of them exceptional at running the ball and playing hard-hitting defense. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to point that one out. And I, one, I, one is one of the few special teams background guys leading yeah. the NFL team. Yeah, John it Harbaugh, is, uh, special teams coordinator. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, but... Like we've pointed out, John and his staff, they have a tremendous amount of information they've already gathered from years of interviews at the Combine or just networking with people. Uh, The fact that John goes out and scouts college teams when we're on the road. I mean, he is constantly out kind of working that networking angle of things. So I am sure that he is... Well, he said he's had an influx of texts and phone calls and people yeah. who want to talk to him. Including about a guy, job. a Pop Warner coach down the road. I mean, said. you know, they're leaving no stone unturned. That's right. I can take a guess as to where they are in the process. We can all surmise where they are in the process. But how about if we hear from John Schneider where things stand with the coaching search? We're very much in the initial. There's a <laughs> initial processes, right? So, uh, you know, 15 years ago, it was a totally different setup. Uh, there's a lot of uh, things we need to, to uh, a, lot, a lot of boxes that need to be checked, and we need to be make sure we're, we're staying instead with, with all the, the rules that are, are put in place. Uh, we've sent in several consent forms, and um, we're hoping to begin uh, interviews tomorrow. Yeah, and that's, you know, the, as he alluded to, things have changed in much more recently in the last 15 years even. There's new rules, I think, this is the first year they're in place where you can't bring guys in for in-person interviews till after the divisional round, which is coming up this weekend. So it does slow the process down a little bit, the idea being leveling the playing field uh, so coaches aren't essentially being penalized for, you know, assistant coaches, job candidates aren't being penalized for being on good teams. So process is going to be a little slower probably than what we've seen in past years, but 
you know, I, and there's a lot of names out there. Obviously, you've seen them on the internet. Probably if you're listening to this podcast and care enough about the Seahawks, you know who some of those names are, and they're going to look at, again, just about everybody you can think of. So it'll probably be, you know, not a really long, drawn-out process because you got to, you know, you're competing with other teams. There's seven openings right now, but they're going to make sure they do it right. There's also a combine coming up fairly quickly here. You want to have some decisions made so that you can add to that next uh, group of talent. And whoever is the head coach, they will inherit a very talented team that John Schneider believes is right on the cusp of winning. We have certainly seen some of those young talents the last couple of years. And John, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what John does. Yeah, me too. I mean, you know, going back to last week, like it's, it's a big change and you're kind of sad to see things change because Pete Carroll's meant so much to this franchise. But at the same time, now looking forward, there is this exciting opportunity for John. Just, you know, the excitement of something different and see, you know, to see how it all plays out. And when we find out how it plays out, guess what? We'll be back with you for another episode of the Seahawks Insiders podcast. 